The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You are listening to the Motherhood Unstressed Podcast, and I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so glad that you're here, as always, and I am so excited to be once again talking to Dr. Stephen Gundry. He's a renowned heart surgeon, a celebrity doctor, medical researcher, and a New York Times bestselling author. And you may remember that he was on the show, it was episode 114, to talk about his best-selling book, The Plant Paradox, The Hidden Dangers of Healthy Food That Cause Disease and Weight Gain. He's now taking a fresh look at one of the top health issues plaguing Americans, fatigue. His new book, The Energy Paradox, offers a revolutionary plan for boosting energy and revitalizing mental and physical stamina. This is a conversation that covers a wide range of topics. We go way into the weeds uh, as far as gut health and food and gene expression, so we get pretty nerdy, but if you're listening to the show, I know you can handle it. So I'm so excited to share his new work with you. Uh, If you like this episode, if you learned something new, please share it with a friend. Please share it on your Instagram stories. That means so much, and it gets the word out to more and more moms. Enjoy the episode. Well, hello, Dr. Gundry. Welcome back to the show. It's great to have you back. Thank you. I'm feeling very unstressed with motherhood today. (laughs) Well, that's good. I'm I'm glad to hear that. How have you been since we last spoke? Uh, oh, nice and busy. Uh, still working seven days a week. Uh, you know, the new book just released a couple weeks ago. So, and finishing up the next book. So, ne- oh never a dull God. moment. God, how are you able to do that? What drives you? I mean, what keeps pushing you? I mean, you have all these accomplishments and working seven days a week. Where does that come from? The energy paradox. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect segue. I there you go. Yeah, no, I mean, it's incredible. It it really is incredible, everything that you've done and continue to do for the health of your patients, but even to scale that on a larger scale through the books, why, why this book? Why now? You know, actually this, this book, I wasn't planning to write. Um, Last year, I was driving into Orange County, south of LA to do a a PBS uh, segment to make some money for public television. And uh, as I was driving in, um, I got a call on the speakerphone saying that the person who was going to, you know, do the segment with me wasn't going to come in that day because she just didn't have it in her. And, you know, I went, well, you know, is something wrong? They said, no, you know, just, uh, you know, everything's kind of caught up with her and she just doesn't have the energy to do it right today. And, so we got through it, somebody else took her place, and that really haunted me for several days. And I'm going, wow, you know, this was a millennial. And I go, and they just don't have it in them, you know, to to do the do the work. And mm-hmm. and I realized that particularly when I started my practice in restorative medicine 21 years ago, about half the people I saw, uh, we used a code 
called fatigue and malaise, um, which is exactly what it sounds like. And over 50% of people, you know, had fatigue and malaise for the reason they were seeing me. Now, it turns out a lot of them had underlying autoimmune diseases that, in fact, many of them didn't know they had. But uh, I realized that I'm, I was an energy doctor, just didn't think of it that way and wanted to know, well, why do we have this epidemic of tiredness and fatigue and brain fog? And the book is about how this happened and what we can do to correct it. Yeah. Do you think this is an issue that is predominantly in America based on our diet? Or do you think it's something that's creeping out all over the world now? That's a great question. Um, certainly we started it, but as we've exported our diet to most places in the world, um, everybody's rapidly catching up with us. Uh, you know, I, I think it's interesting, like I talk about in the book, there's this fascinating study of um, a, a tribe in Tanzania called the Hadzas, who were one of the last uh, hunter-gatherer tribes in existence. And the the men walk 10 to 12 miles every day. They hunt a game with bows and arrows. The women walk three to five miles gathering tubers and berries. And they're very thin, they're very lean, they're very fit. They actually are very, very healthy. So these researchers figured, wow, these guys are really expending a lot of energy. And we should compare those people to desk workers, office workers. And I'll bet you we're going to find that the reason the office workers are so fat is that they don't expend as much energy as these people who are walking you know, 10 miles a day. And lo and behold, they found that that wasn't true, that the office workers were actually expending as much energy as these hunter-gatherers. And they went, well, that doesn't make sense. And then they went, well, uh, that m makes sense because obviously everybody has to expend the same amount of energy. And uh, that was their conclusion. And I went, boy, that doesn't pass the sniff test. And, <laughs> I love that. and so what, what I see in my practice is we produce huge amounts of inflammation. And most people know that buzzword now. And this inflammation actually comes from leaky gut, from uh, the wall of our intestines literally having gaps. And through those gaps of our leaky gut, bacterial particles come through, uh, food particles like lectins, one of my favorite subjects. Um, and our immune system, 80% of it is, is lining our intestines, 80% mm -hmm. of all our white blood cells. And there's a war going on. And that war requires huge amounts of fuel, of energy. And it's, it's literally a fire that's burning. And that energy is being consumed instead of by our muscles, by our brain. And of course, the desk workers were consuming the same amount of energy as the Hadzas, but it was going for a horrible purpose, and that was inflammation rather than walking or wow. you know, doing something else. And we see that when, uh, in, in my patient population, like I published, um, when we seal a leaky gut, uh, the markers of inflammation plummet, and lo and behold, people go, wow, um, 
this is what normal feels like. You know, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd forgotten. Uh, I, I just thought that, you know, my busy existence, raising two kids, getting pre-COVID, getting them to 27 events simultaneously, um, I thought that's normal. And, yeah. and the other thing that's fascinating is, sadly, well-meaning healthcare workers, particularly with women, when women come with complaints like tiredness, like fatigue, like brain fog, um, they do normal tests. And the normal tests all come back normal. And most of these healthcare workers basically say, well, I'm sorry, um, there's nothing wrong. Um, This is all in your head. And I just, I'll tell you a story from yesterday, a physician from the Midwest, she's uh, 49 years old. Uh, she, uh, we, we talked on the phone yesterday. She was having just immense burnout, brain fog. And she was, you know, perimenopausal. And she went to her physician and her physician ran the tests and said, nah, you know, nothing here. You're, you know, you're a busy doctor. You're mm. going through menopause, nothing here. She did tests I recommended and lo and behold, she's got two autoimmune diseases. She's got celiac disease, which is the extreme form of gluten intolerance. Yeah. So rather than there's nothing here, holy cow, you know, look what's going on. Um, It wasn't all in your head. (laughs) Right, right. And how many times is that repeated all across the world every single day? Women just told that they're, you know, you're just tired, you're crazy, it's all in your head. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that surprised me, I guess, when when I started doing this over 20 years ago is, as, as you as your listeners may remember, I'm a heart surgeon by trade. And uh, surgeons in general become surgeons because they, they don't want to talk to people. They want to cut them open and they don't want to take, you know, hour long histories. Um, they just want to you know, get in there and do what they are. But my father actually taught me, he says, you know, you, you really ought to take time and listen to people. Everybody's got a unique story and just do it. And I thought, mm. yeah. So when I started this, I started listening, particularly to women. Uh, I have two daughters. I have a wife. I have three female dogs. So I should listen to women. <laughs> uh, and it's amazing when, you know, women in general will tell you what's wrong. And mm-hmm. You know, I was trained, oh, I don't believe them. They're just kind of different. Uh, that's not true. That's not horrible. true at all. Um, and when, when we deep, deep dive into what they're saying, lo and behold, uh, they're always right. Women are always right. Uh, right, dear? No. <laughs> <laughs> I see what's going on here. <laughs> No. Okay. So to peel back the layers a little bit and to get a little more technical, you know, for the listener, can we talk about the role of the microbiome? You know, you kind of touched on it for those who aren't as, you know, educated on it, who might be tuning in. What is it? What is ATP? What is mitochondria? And how is that? Why is that so important? Okay. As strange as it may seem. So uh, the microbiome is this collection of bacteria, viruses, worms, parasites, 
that primarily live in our gut. And there's well over a hundred trillion different microorganisms. At least 10,000 different ones have been identified. And each year about another thousand are identified. And we didn't even know about these guys until about 10 years ago. We, I mean, we knew bacteria lived in our gut, but that's about all we knew. Now, thanks to the Human Microbiome Project, we know that this is a teeming tropical rainforest of a, if you will, an organ in and of itself that uh, controls much of what happens to us, in particular, energy production. And how that happens is not to get too technical, but it's kind of a fun story. The little organelles in all of our cells that make energy, and that energy currency is ATP, uh, adenosine triphosphate for anyone who's taking notes. Uh, so these little organelles, these mitochondria, are actually ancient bacteria that were engulfed two billion years ago by cells, and they didn't get eaten alive, uh, but instead the cell says, look, um, if you want to stick around, I'll give you what you need to eat. In exchange, why don't you make some ATP for me? That seems like a good deal. And it turns out it was a very good deal because all life forms, um, higher life forms depend on that marriage of convenience. So what's really interesting, uh, particularly for women listeners, we, uh, mitochondria, have their own DNA. Uh, and so they actually divide separately from cell division, and they can make more of themselves. The DNA of mitochondria is inherited from the mother. So dads don't contribute any mitochondrial DNA. Um, we're worthless with that. So that it comes from the mother. The microbiome, all this collection of bacteria, is initially given to the baby, me, you, by the mother coming out of the birth canal. And so the bacteria are maternal, the mitochondria are maternal, and we now know that there's a sisterhood, that the bacteria in the gut communicate to their sisters, the mitochondria. And up until a few years ago, it was conjectured that there was a language that they talked to each other, but nobody knew the language. And then the language was discovered, and it's called postbiotics. Now, most people have heard of probiotics, which is friendly bacteria. You know, I'm eating my yogurt, it's got probiotics. I'm having my kombucha, it's got probiotics. A lot of people now have heard of prebiotics, which is the fiber that the probiotics need to eat. When you give fiber to the gut microbiome, they in turn make postbiotics. So mm -hmm. this is a collection of gases, believe it or not, and also what are called short chain fatty acids. And that language has been discovered, it won the Nobel Prize for medicine, and they literally tell mitochondria to either make lots of energy or to throttle back on energy production. Wow. And, yeah. So 
what's happened to us in the West is that number one, most of us have killed off most of our microbiome by taking antibiotics, by having antibiotics in all the food we eat, all the animals we eat were given antibiotics, either legally or illegally. And like I talk in the book, the greatest antibiotic against the earth is now unleashed called glyphosate, better known as Roundup. And Roundup is an antibiotic. It was actually patented not as a weed killer, but as an antibiotic. And it kills bacteria. And nobody talks about this. So what's happened is that we have this amazing communication system between our microbiome and our mitochondria and our brain, literally telling us to make energy, telling us whether to be happy or sad. Wow. And we've kind of wiped out that communication. This episode is sponsored by Public Goods. Public Goods is your one-stop shop for everything that you need for home and life. Now, it's completely online. You're not going to find a store out in your neighborhood, but that's kind of the beauty of it in 2021. I would rather have everything that I need delivered to my door when I need it at an amazing price. And the other cool thing about them is everything is in this minimalistic aesthetic. So it's black and white, very clean lines. Everything looks really good in your bathroom or your kitchen or your pantry. And you can feel good about the products that you're bringing into your home. Everything is heavily researched. A lot of the packaging is sustainable, is biodegradable. They do a really good job at taking a more responsible stance um, towards the environment and towards quality. And of course, since you're a listener of the show, they're going to hook you up with a good deal. You get $15 off your first purchase if you go to publicgoods.com forward slash unstressed. That's P-U-B-L-I-C-G-O-O-D-S.com forward slash unstressed, or you can use unstressed at checkout. It's no wonder we're all kind of sitting around, you know, with ran out of gas. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's when I do have like a bowl of cereal and I almost immediately feel like depressed afterwards and tired and I notice it. So, I mean, maybe it's because I know about this now talking to doctors like you and just trick this information trickling out that I'm more aware of it, but I absolutely notice that. And then it breaks my heart that so many other people, parents, you know, mother, even kids out there who don't know this and are consuming this stuff every day for almost every meal. And they're on antidepressants or they, they don't know what's wrong with them, or they think that that's normal. I mean, this is, to me, this is like a crime against humanity. Yeah, no, it, it really is. Um, when we talked last, did we talk about, probably not, the Appleton School Study, Appleton, yes, Wisconsin? Yes, yes, and how it changed those kids I dramatically. Just, I, yeah, I thought we did. Can uh, we can we cover that again Because for the, for new listeners who might not have heard that one? Yeah, uh, so a uh, number of years ago now, uh, the Appleton School District in Appleton, Wisconsin, which is a cute college town, I've actually visited there, um, they were having a lot of issues, acting out issues, truancy issues in their junior high and they middle school. And they said, you know, there's an organic cafe here in town. And why don't we get them to do breakfast and lunch for all of these middle schoolers? And then let's bring in all the parents and let's teach them what we'd like them to do for dinner based on, you know, this. 
And let's see what happens. So uh, lo and behold, uh, they did it. Their truancy scores, you know, plummeted. There weren't any... Tr- there weren't any trips to the vice principal's office anymore, which most of us, uh, I, I never went, I promise. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, and grades improved. Yeah. And they went, wow, you know, this is great. So they, they basically go back to the cafe and say, you know, we want to institutionalize this. What do you say? And they go, well, you know, we love doing this and uh, we don't have the time. We don't have the manpower. You know, why don't you see if somebody else will do it? So they contracted with a national food service company, and I won't mention the name, but you actually would see them in multiple airports. Um, And the minute they brought in this national company, uh, everything went back to normal. Um, Grades plummeted because they weren't using proper food. They weren't feeding the kids properly. Um, And it's... It's amazing the power of food, particularly, you know, all the moms listening. Food has such power. And in my previous book, The Plant Paradox Family Cookbook, uh, there's a whole chapter of you want your kid to do better in school. You know, here's what to take while you're pregnant and here's what to feed your kids, you know, once you pop them out. And the evidence is, you know, it's like this study. The evidence is overwhelming that, you know, you can make a better baby and you can have a a smarter, more well-behaved kid. I think it's so interesting how genes, you know, they can change based on what I feed myself. Yeah. And in fact, so our genes are really very, have very little to do with what's going to happen to us. A, a, A nature article published in 2018 showed that our genetic material is only is only about an eight percent impact on yeah. our fate, and ninety four percent of the impact actually comes from the food we eat and our microbiome, mm-hmm. causing epigenetic changes. In other words, causing different expressions of genes. In fact, there's a brand new paper out this past week in twin studies and. Twin studies are great because the twins have the same genes. They're genetically identical. And so if one, this was, there was one fat twin and one skinny twin. And they're going, gee, I wonder what what the deal is. And it turns out the fat twin has what they call lazy mitochondria. Mm. The mitochondria aren't producing as much energy from the food that this twin would eat. And so literally it built up as fat because it wasn't being used as energy. Wow. But the genes were the same. So, and that gets back to this book. Yeah. We've got to tell our mitochondria what to do with the food. And part of it is this information they get from the microbiome. So how do we optimize our mitochondria, our gut biome? Can I still have my morning coffee? Like I'm a little scared. You bet. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> Believe it or not, coffee is incredibly good for you. It's the stuff we put in it when we go through the uh, drive through and we take a perfectly wonderful cup of coffee and then it suddenly becomes a 400 calorie sugar and fat bomb yeah. that literally overwhelms our mitochondria's ability to produce energy. Um, You live in Atlanta, I live in the LA area, and we all know what rush hour is like. And what happens in our mitochondria is literally mitochondria have to 
take the sugar we eat, the protein we eat, and the fat we eat, and produce energy. And it's a freeway. And mitochondria are really good at handling one thing at a time, like sugar or protein or fat. But what's happened in our diet is we have tons of simple sugars, simple amino acids, and simple fats all converging instantaneously into this mitochondrial freeway system. And everything grinds to a halt. Mm -hmm. And so the mitochondria just can't handle this onslaught. And, you know, 60, 80% of most of the food we eat is now ultra processed. Yeah. It's been broken down into simple sugars, simple amino acids, and simple fats. And we just, boom, hit this energy freeway and everything just comes to a standstill. So have your cup of coffee, but please don't put a bunch of junk in it. Oh, I don't. I don't. I always get made fun of because I always drink it black, but I, I, to me, it tastes better. Yeah. Well, my, my parents always drank their coffee black and I just, you know, and now I drink my coffee black after I learned the huge benefits of black coffee. And there's actually some very cool studies of the effect of black coffee on even longevity. Yeah. Yeah. I read somewhere that it's like, for most people, it's the biggest source of antioxidants that they get in a day. You know, they're not eating blueberries and apples and things like that. Their coffee is saving them from death. <laughs> so, so let's dispel a myth right now. There are no antioxidants in coffee. Oh, no. There oh, are, wow. Yeah, there are polyphenols in coffee. And oh, okay. polyphenols, believe it or not, act in a totally different manner than antioxidants. In mm -hmm. fact, there have actually been study after study after study that uh, antioxidants do not in any way affect the antioxidant uh, capacity of mitochondria. Interesting. Sorry. Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to deep dive into this. So for the mother listening, she is fatigued. She is burnt out. She doesn't have the energy yep. that she had maybe when she was a teenager. How do you know it's an issue related to the gut health or is it just that she is really tired? I mean, how do you, how do you know as a person listening that this is, this is the real issue? Uh, believe it or not, there's no such thing as uh, I have a burnt out adrenal gland or I have so much cortisol, no wonder I'm fat. Mm -hmm. um, we measure adrenal hormones in all of our patients. We measure uh, AM cortisols in all of our patients. And maybe uh, out of 10,000 patients that I follow, I have five people who actually have adrenal fatigue. Wow. And same way with high cortisol levels. This is an internet myth. Um, and we, you, your adrenals do not burn out, I can assure you. What happens is that our cells don't listen to adrenal hormones anymore. Um, a lot of people have heard of insulin resistance or pre-diabetes, and we talk about a lot of this in the book. We now know there's adrenal resistance. We make plenty of adrenal hormones, but our cells don't listen to it properly. And it turns out that glyphosate Roundup is one of the culprits that's producing this problem. And moms need to know that glyphosate in is, is in almost everything they're eating and they're feeding their kids. There's not a cereal 
that doesn't have glyphosate in it. Even organic oatmeal has glyphosate. Oh, don't say uh, that. All of our breads have glyphosate. Most American wines have mm -hmm. glyphosate. Almost all the animals we eat have glyphosate. It's, so if they're looking for the non-GMO label, I got news for you. Roundup is now sprayed on almost all conventional crops prior to harvesting, whether it's oats, whether it's corn, whether it's wheat, whether it's rye, whether it's canola, whether it's soybeans. It's been sprayed with Roundup to kill it so it dries up so it's easier to harvest. And it has nothing to do with wheat killing. Wow, that's incredible. And so let's let's turn it a little more positive. You know, we've okay. named the problem. We've we've discussed the the science behind it. What can we do um, as women, as parents, to to make our children, make ourselves healthier, to have the most energy that we all desire in our lives? Well, one of the first things we need to realize is that breakfast is not the most important meal of the day. Amen. And you <laughs> do not, believe it or not, have to send your child off to school with a hearty breakfast. In fact, looking at Hadzas and other primitive tribes, they do not have breakfast. Break fast means exactly that. You break your overnight fast. And Nobody has breakfast waiting for them out in the jungle. Uh, you got to go find breakfast. And usually you find breakfast at lunch. Um, the French had no word for breakfast. Dejeuner was first meal. And when the tourists arrived, they had to invent petit dejeuner. Uh, <laughs> because you know, all the tourists said, where's, where's breakfast? <laughs> So, and there, it turns out that breakfast is actually a very modern phenomenon. It really mm. got started during the Industrial Revolution um, a little over 100 years ago, where men primarily uh, went to a factory and they, there were no breaks, there was no lunch hour. They would work in the factory 14 hours. And so they, had breakfast literally before they went to the factory mm. and then they would have a meal um you know when they got home in fact uh i think today started ramadan uh where uh during ramadan the 30 days of ramadan you eat breakfast before dawn and then you don't eat or drink until after dusk Mm -hmm. uh, for 30 days. And I talk about this in The Energy Paradox. And believe it or not, that's an incredibly healthy way of eating. It actually resets your genes. It mm -hmm. turns on anti-cancer genes. And it actually promotes, promotes lifespan. So the point of all this is try, try, try to push breakfast farther and farther out during the morning. And that's really hard to do, except in the book, we hold your hand and one hour at a time, we extend the beginning of break fast until after six weeks, it's pretty doggone easy to start your first meal of the day at about noon yeah. and then finish up at six or seven o'clock at night. So the evidence of compressing the eating windows, uh, sometimes called intermittent fasting, I call it time-controlled eating, the compression of that eating window, number one, gives you more energy, and it actually makes you lose weight. So yeah. why not? It's a win-win, it's a and there's 
beautiful human studies looking at this where everybody had to eat the exact same amount of calories, but one group ate their calories during a 12-hour window, which is like eight to eight. The other group ate in a seven-hour window, and the group that ate in the seven-hour window, these were athletes, lost weight. They turned on all these longevity genes. The 12-hour eaters, no benefit. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely noticed in my own life starting to eat, you know, 1130, 12 o'clock. I'm perfectly fine in the morning. Of course I have my coffee, but I don't, I don't ever think about losing weight. I don't think about, you know, oh, you know, these five. I'm on a diet. Right. I never, I never do. And I feel like my whole family is, is the opposite. And so I have to share this with them and definitely share the book. Dr. Gundry, you know, we've, we've covered a lot with everything that you have learned in life, with everything that you are still continuing to accomplish and do. What do you want your legacy to be? What do you want to leave with the world? Oh, if I, you know, if I just leave that fatigue is not your fate, uh, maybe that's a good thing to leave it, particularly with your women listeners. These feelings that, you know, your listeners have they are a sign that it's time to look under the hood. And if you can't find a healthcare provider that won't take you seriously, keep looking. They're out there, demand it. And, and just remember, it's your body, uh, not the doc or the nurse practitioner's body. And you gotta demand that somebody listens. I love that. And coming from, you know, an acclaimed doctor like yourself, I think that's so important to validate these women all over the world who are tuning in. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Thanks for having me. Great to see you again. You too. Hey guys, I am so excited to share that my new book, Motherhood Unstressed, is now available worldwide on Amazon, Kindle, and my website. And this was a book that I designed for every busy mama out there. It's filled with original quotes, poetry, guided meditations, and journaling opportunities, all as a way to bring you back to who you really are. You know, when you become a mother, life changes in innumerable ways. And I think that we all have that that sense of purpose and joy within us at all times. It just takes a little help sometimes getting back to that. And that's what this book is about. I want it to be a touchstone in your day so you can literally flip to a page, gain some insight, gain some inner knowing, gain some inner peace, and then go into your day and run it. And I so look forward to seeing where the book goes in the world. Uh, If you do get it, please let me know. Please let me know what you think. And I just want to say thank you so much for reading. You have been listening to the Motherhood Unstressed podcast, and I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you love this episode, please share it with a friend and be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so we can get the show out to more and more mothers all over the world.